54th ANC National Elective Conference. Everything you need to know. This is Eyewitness News. Hello, I'm EWN political reporter Clement Magnatella and this is The Showdown. It's a podcast that will give you all you need to know as we lead up to the ANC's elective conference. So, as we all know, on the 20th of December, the ANC will conclude its all-important elective conference with a new president at the helm. That person will become the 14th to lead the party in its 105 years of existence. In the run-up to this crucial gathering of the ANC, Eyewitness News is taking a close look at the possible scenarios that may play out at and after the conference. We'll be focusing particularly on the two front runners who've emerged over the last few months, Dr. Nkosazana Dlamini Zuma and Deputy President Cyril Ramaphosa. But in this episode, we zoom into the possibility of a Ramaphosa presidency and what that might mean for the ANC in South Africa as a whole. I'm now joined by my colleague Stephen Crotus to help unpack what may play out after the December conference. Stephen, hi. Hi, Clement. So let's look into the crystal ball of the future. It's the 20th of December. Cyril Ramaphosa has just closed the conference with his address as the new president. What's the status of the party and what happens to the alliance? I think everything depends on the scale of the victory. So if it's an overwhelming victory, 60%, 65%, well, things are a lot easier for both Ramaphosa and the ANC. If it's a much close-knit victory, so if it's 51 55%, you're looking at more challenges later. And so that's the first thing to say. Almost everything that will happen will be determined by the scale of the victory. In my view, if Ramaphosa wins, the delegates who elect him leader would also possibly at that conference, use that conference to pass a motion to recall President Jacob Zuma from power in the national presidency. So in the way that Mbeki was recalled by the NEC, this would be a much stronger vote because it would be a resolution from the conference. And I would think that events might move actually really very quickly. So Ramaphosa might stand up and be, you know, this is the person who's won. And you might immediately have a call from the back, recall Zuma, recall Zuma. And you would suddenly have, you know, a flurry of hand signals above the head and you would see a move to recall Zuma. And I think this would happen for several reasons. One, I think that it might be a natural reaction from delegates who've already voted for Ramaphosa and against in Kosozana Dlamini Zuma. Two, I think Ramaphosa, through his proxies, people like Pravin Gordon, Jackson Mtembu, have been saying essentially that Zuma should be recalled straight after the conference. And they're saying that to give the people, to give people who support Ramaphosa a reason to support Ramaphosa. Their message is, Vote for Ramaphosa, and this will be the end of Zuma's rule. That's mm. the reason. And I think the third reason um, for me is that Ramaphosa can't be ANC leader and allow Zuma to remain in control of the spies. But doesn't that then alienate the support base of President Jacob Zuma? Because then you're going to have a divided party. Mm. Well, this then goes back to the scale of the victory. So if it's 60%, he can afford to. If it's mm. 51% no. And this is the difficulty is that is that what you're looking at in some ways you're seeing a story of two separate parties that just don't know it yet. Mm. And I think that's what makes it really quite complicated. But I don't think Ramaphosa can allow Zuma to retain control of the National Prosecuting Authority and the Intelligence Services. I think he has to stop. That's got to be his fear. Mm. If you look at real politic, I mean, never mind what should happen in the niceties of the Constitution. That's the problem right there. Yeah, and I mean, Ramaphosa has previously indicated that there will not be any protection for anyone yes. that's linked yes. or even implicated in state capture. What about the alliance? I mean, Kosadu mm. and the SACP have already given indications that the only person who can save this alliance 
is Cyril Ramaphosa. Is that a slight suggestion that they're willing to walk away if Dr. Nkosazana Dlamini Zuma wins? Yeah, I, I think there's no other way to look at it. Um, I think what they're saying is that if uh, Dlamini Zuma wins, the SSCP special conference, which I think is scheduled before the, the end of January, so quite quickly mm. you would see that move to, to split. I mean, just imagine for a start the January 8th statement coming out of a split conference. Mm. I mean, we've never re- we sort of had that a bit um, in 2008, and we kind of know how 2008 ended. But it's a very difficult situation for the whole party. I think Ramaphosa's strategy has been to say to the SACP and Kasatu, vote for me, support me, I'll keep the alliance together. I'm the unity candidate, really. Um, and if you vote for Dlamini Zuma, then the whole alliance splits. And the real question, of course, is if the SACP goes on its own, does um, does Kasatu go with it? And I think probably yes. Mm. Um, there's several other factors you've got to look out for, though, which is that so Ramaphosa wins, for example. Um, what happens in the election in 2019? The ANC will have lost ground, be trying to rebuild itself after a difficult conference and then in KwaZulu-Natal as it determines the fate of the ANC at the moment could determine the fate of the country because Ramaphosa is likely to lose votes in in KwaZulu-Natal whereas a Dlamini Zuma victory might retain votes in KwaZulu-Natal and this is a very complicated problem because Dlamini Zuma would lose votes in urban areas whereas Ramaphosa will get some of those urban votes back and that's one of the problems I don't think the ANC has dealt with yet. Mm. Let's look at the 2019 um, elections. Some analysts seem to predict that in fact Sir Ramaphosa is somehow of a credible candidate and therefore if you have him as the face of the party going into the 2019 elections, if he wins of course in December then you've got a good chance of the ANC regaining that lost ground. Do you agree? Um, certainly a much better chance than Dlamini Zuma. And one of the problems that, that she has is that her polling numbers are so low. So are Ramaphosa's, by the way. Um, there's this polling data. Uh, it was the citizen survey conducted about a month ago, 3,500 people around the country. And people are asked, who would be a good leader of the ANC? And you're asked, Dlamini Zuma, Ramaphosa, etc. Ramaphosa's national figure around the country is 43%. Dlamini Zuma's is only 16%. But that's a story for another day. But with Ramaphosa's only 43%, it's still a bit of an uphill battle. That's 43% of people saying that, you know, that's less than half of of people asked saying that we think he would be a good leader for the ANC. That said, the ANC over the years since Nelson Mandela after him has shown that it's more popular than its leader. It certainly is the case at the moment. Mm. Um, So with Ramaphosa, I think that would be, would still continue. And so you get over the 50% mark probably if he's at 43. Um, I think Ramaphosa can go into places that Lamini Zuma might battle with. He can go into Soweto. He can go into Alexandra. He's well known in those areas. Um, He would be credible specifically if he's able to act against people who are seen as corrupt. So again, it goes back to this thing. What would be the level of the victory, the scale of it? And is he able to act against corruption afterwards? And then you've got what is probably the prime issue of 2019. There are two or three prime issues. The opposition parties will try and make it corruption. The ANC might need and might find that it actually comes down to jobs. Mm -hmm. So if Ramaphosa can get the economy going in 2018 and provide hope then the ANC's got a strong chance of winning in 2019. If he can't do those things, then no. And we'll talk about that economy. But for now, let's take a listen to what Professor Mtebi Sindlejane, a political analyst, thinks the possible scenarios are when it comes to the 2019 elections if Ramaphosa wins. For the ANC, if Cyril wins, he limits the damage uh, in, in the 2019 elections uh, because Cyril is a more credible uh, messenger, for instance, for prudent government and ethical leadership. 
Um, and he will most likely be able to send a message that the ANC is on demand. All right, let's now talk about that economy, Stephen. Jeez, um, what does it look like? First of all, let's look at the losers also, mm. add to that. The losers after the 2017 elective conference, the, the people that are associated with Dr. Nkosazana Dlaminizuma. What about them? And... The economy, what is it looking like? So the big question then is, would the ANC split the other way? Would Lamini Zuma's supporters, the people who are backing her, Ace Mahashule, Sikhla Zagalala, etc., try and take the ANC or part of the ANC away from a Ramaphosa-led ANC? I think they might try, but I don't know if they'll have much success um, because essentially their success at the moment is based to a large degree on patronage. That's where the money and funding comes from. And this is the problem that they're facing, is that it would look like it's a fight about patronage. And I think that would really be very, very difficult. Um, when it comes to the economy, there are really two scenarios. The one is that Ramaphosa could implement ANC policy that we currently have. And the argument would go like this, that since Mbeki's time, the ANC has not implemented policy, has not been able to get the economy to grow. Why would Ramaphosa be any different? And that's true. I do agree with that criticism, that in, that a, a Ramaphosa win from a policy point of view for the ANC would just be taking us back to 2005 when, you know, the economy, when the resource boom ended after that, the economy hasn't really grown strongly since because the ANC can't manage the economy would go the argument. And Mouletzi Mbeki makes the point, he says that movements fail because they can't grow economies. I mean, that's a different debate, but it's there. Um, That said, and there's a small chance of this happening. So imagine this. Ramaphosa wins, strong mandate from the ANC, 60% plus, okay? He somehow manages to get Zuma out of the presidency. What happens then? Mm. He will know the big issue of 2019 will be about jobs. To do that, he's also the one person who may be, one of maybe two people, who would have the trust of the unions and he would control government, and he, big business would trust him. Mm. They'll be so happy, in fact. And as a result of that, you might have a once-in-a-lifetime chance to create some kind of accord February, March 2018, and actually implement it in time for results to be seen for the 2019 election. Small percentage chance scenario, but it is something worth examining. But he's been talking a lot about radical economic transformation as well, slightly, I suppose, with less vigor than you get it coming from Dr. Nkosa Zanadlaminizuma. Economists are a little bit concerned when Dr. Nkosa Zanadlaminizuma mm. says it, but Ramaphosa seems to believe that we need a radical change in our economy. So how is it looking? Do they trust it when it comes from mm. him than when well, it comes from Zanadlaminizuma? It's one of these political phrases that isn't really defined. And so mm. it depends. You're back to the, the political thing. Uh, you know, a political comment is only as important as the person making the statement. And so you ascribe different meanings to it. Um, uh, Dlaminizuma seems to mean one thing. Um, Ramaphosa does seem to mean another. He seems to use inclusive growth more lot, yeah. than she does. <laughs> she hardly ever uses it. Yeah. Lucy Gigaba, of course, we know who's trying to play both sides. Play both. both uses both all the time. Um, so I think that's really the issue, is that it depends on who's speaking. And I do think that big business, I mean, they were represented at his big statement about the economy um, a few weeks ago in Soweto in Orlando. So I'm not at all surprised that people, that business trusts him more, especially when you consider that Zuma, the public protector, have given them plenty of reasons not to trust him. And business has not recovered. It has not recovered trust in this government yeah. since the sacking of Pravin Gordon. All right, let's take a listen to political analyst Ralph Mateja telling us about what could possibly happen in the economy if Ramaphosa wins. There is a, a very strong perception uh, within the public discourse that uh, still understand the basics of economics, that uh, 
he's actually not a disruptor that is he's a moderate when it comes to uh, economic policy and the level of intervention that the state needs to be engaged in that is being understood as a cue for reasonableness and confidence that the market might have in Cyril's leadership it is understood that uh, if he takes over he's going to enjoy cooperation with uh, um, the private sector it is a positive thing in a sense that uh, if you're the leader you don't have to spend time trying to convince people about their intentions they sympathize then you are in a position where you can galvanize different stakeholders us to be able to deliver on government programs and attend to much more pressing things. The more stakeholders get involved in anyone's project, the president's project, the better. All right, Stephen. So lastly, the slate, Ramaphosa's slate. Yeah. What do you make of it? So it's fascinating that Ramaphosa's announced the slate so early. It might put pressure on Lamini Zuma to do the same, and that makes life difficult for her because I'm not entirely convinced her slate is as settled as it might look. Um, it also means that other people might say, but I want to be Deputy President, uh, Dr. Lamini Zuma, and what happens next? Um, it is a little bit of a risk in Naledi Pandor as the Deputy President to get some around the, the female leader problem. Um, the argument that there should be a woman president now, to an extent. She's also clean. She also comes with something else. The claim has been made that she has no constituency, and so why bring her? Because she doesn't add any value. But the fact that she has no constituency also means she can be dropped at the last moment, and there's nothing she can do about it. If you remember at the last conference, in fact, she is one of the top three women that got most mm. of the votes from the, the, the delegates mm. to be on the NEC. All right, thank you so much, Stephen. That's it from this first episode of...